Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It all started with mom. She's always had a way of making everyday moments feel like an adventure. So this Mother's Day, Kate Spade New York is here to help you thank mom and all the mother figures in your life. From our newest arrivals, like springy dragonfly-adorned handbags and jewelry, to gifts under $100, to the best sellers on Mom's Most Wanted list, there's something for everyone. Maybe you can even treat yourself, too. Shop the Mother's Day gift guide at katespade.com. Hey, book lovers. My name is Em, and I want to talk about books. And cats. a lot lately about pseudonyms. You know, Stephen King is one of my favorite authors, and he wrote a bunch of books as Richard Bachman. And uh, also, my one of my new favorite writers is Riley Sager, which is also a pseudonym. I've just been kind of thinking about the different authors that, uh, that have written under different names and what the reasons might be for that. Um, I'm kind of considering releasing my next book under a pseudonym, it's mostly just for the sake of keeping it separate from my other books. My older books are all horror and definitely, you know, for older readers. And this new book is more of a young adult uh, fantasy book, and I kind of just want to keep it separate from uh, the other stuff because it's not the same type of book. So I'm still kind of mulling that over, um, but I think I might do it, and I think it'll be kind of fun. So I just found out that irregardless is officially a word, which I find upsetting. I guess if people just say it enough, then the dictionaries will be like, hey, this is a word now. But I guess that's how our language uh, evolves. I don't love that word. So in my writer world, I have been spending a lot of time on my own books lately. Uh, I'm currently editing one that is just about ready to come out, looking at like an early December release for that. And then I have just started writing a second one that is going to be the second in a series. I'm really excited because I've written books before where I thought they were going to be the first in a series, and I kind of had an idea for book two, and then it just hasn't panned out. And so for this one, I had not necessarily intended that it was going to be the first book in a series, and then I just kind of had an idea of where I wanted to go. And then one day I just sat down and outlined the entire book and I have an ending for it. So, so it's, it's happening. It's going to be, it's going to be good. I'm excited about it. Hopefully it's more than a two book series, uh, but I'm not worried about that right now because I've got to write the second one. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with like a series name too, which is something I've never had to do. And it's hard because it has to encompass kind of all of the books and you haven't even written some of the books yet. So thinking about that one too. The day that I outlined that book though was so great. I'm always, every day I'm trying to write in some way or another. Um, I feel like it's the one thing I've consistently been working on for pretty much my entire life. Um, And some days, I have those days where it just, it just flows and it's effortless. And I absolutely love that. 
I have learned to just let it flow, go with it, um, avoid all other things that could distract you from it, if at all possible. Yeah, it was. it's one of my favorite things, that feeling of just being totally in the zone with writing. Even my kids and husband uh, respect my writing time, so I think it's obvious that writing is necessary for my existence. So I was talking to Andy about it the other day, um, because I'm really, really excited about these books. I'm very happy with where they're going. And uh, he was commenting on how I'm currently editing my sixth book and writing my seventh. Um, It just feels like such a natural thing to me, like writing is as natural as breathing and just as necessary as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, you know, sometimes I get bogged down in life and forget to stop and look at how far I've come and what I've accomplished. And it was kind of, it just kind of made me take a moment and pause to think about the fact that I have written that many books. And for some people, that is like a lifetime goal. And maybe they write one, maybe they don't ever get to it. Um, It's just something that I do really easily, and it feels good. So I'm pretty happy with it. Writing is one of the few things that I'm like truly confident in. I've been like painfully self-conscious for my entire life. And pretty much convinced that nothing I did was right, um, that I didn't really have any skills. And writing was always the thing that I knew I could do. Like, I believed I could do it. Um, I had some really great teachers that boosted my confidence. And uh, they they would do it at just, like, the perfect time. And they really nurtured my love of writing and my love of books. Uh, the first one was my second grade teacher, Mrs. McGee, um, who used to let me read during other... When we were supposed to be doing other things, she just kind of let me keep reading. And she was the first teacher to assign us uh, writing our own books. So that was the first time I got a taste for it. And then my other teacher uh, was my sophomore English teacher, Mr. Regelman. And uh, he assigned us this one project. I was 15, and I, I don't think I'll ever forget this. But we had a writing project that involved... We had to pick one topic, and then... We had to write four different styles of uh, essays about it. I can't remember what exactly all the styles were now. I remember thinking it was really challenging, but I really enjoyed it. And then he asked me at the end of the year if he could use it in a presentation to his colleagues. And that made me feel really good that, um, that I had done something that well. I think the importance of teachers is never really given its proper due. They really kept me afloat and... Uh, They helped me find this skill and this passion, and I think it was life-altering, or at least life-directing, you know? So, anyway, give your teachers a thank-you gift, or write them a note or an email. Um, Just something to tell them that you appreciate them. And if you're not into writing, and uh, maybe you like your your math teacher or whoever, just thank all your teachers, because they're really working super hard, and uh, they have a very, very important job. Important and underappreciated, for sure. Also, um, we're getting close to the holidays, and I would like to suggest um, that you give books for the holidays. This is this is a must for my kids every year. Um, we've actually created our own little uh, Haga celebration. Uh, we do it a couple days before Christmas, and everybody gets comfy blankets, chocolates, and new books. And it's one of my favorite traditions, so... Books make a great gift, and if you don't know what somebody likes, a gift card uh, to a bookstore, also a good gift. That's what I get my sister just about every year. (laughs) 
So now let's talk about a book. Today I want to talk about The Tombs of Achuan by Ursula K. Le Guin. This is, I believe, the second book in the Earthsea cycle, which is a series of books that Ursula Le Guin wrote. Um, I think there's six of them total. Thinking about my teachers and the influence that they had on me also brought up not this book, but another book, the first book in the series, which is called The Wizard of Earthsea. The first time I read that book, it was, I believe, for sophomore English, and I had never really been exposed to, like, the sci-fi fantasy genre um, very much at that point. At my house, um, you know, my parents' books, there were a lot of, like, spy novels and stuff about, like, war, and I, up until that point, was reading pretty much exclusively, like, Stephen King and then, like, Babysitter's Club books. So, fun combo. So this was my first introduction to, like, fantasy sci-fi, and it is one of my favorite genres. I won't say it's my favorite to read, because I'm definitely, I love my horror and my thriller novels, but when it comes to writing, this is the style that I enjoy writing in the most. It's actually, that's what my new books are, the next two are actually fantasy genre. I just think it's fun. I like things that are sort of like realism, but definitely different. I like magic. I like creatures. I like anything fantastic. Ursula Le Guin was really my first taste, which is pretty awesome because she is an amazing writer. And there are some like kind of gnarly sci-fi and fantasy books out there. So I'm glad that I wasn't um, introduced to sci-fi and fantasy in a different way. Ursula Le Guin has had a heavy influence on my writing style, and rereading this book really just, it really just brought back all the memories of when I first read the Earthsea Cycle books and just how amazing I thought they were. And they still are. Um, I mean, she's won countless awards. The Tombs of Achuan actually won the Newbery Book Honor Award, and it's just fantastic. In The Tombs of Achuan, we are in a desert land. She created this huge map of all these different lands, um, and the stories kind of take place just in that she has created her own world. It's very, it's very much like Lord of the Rings in that way. Um, and in Tombs of Achuan, we are in this desert land at this place that's way far off from society where priestesses in black robes worship the nameless ones. And the nameless ones are, is this like dark, powerful, like earth energy, basically, That's another thing I love about Ursula Le Guin. Lots of references to, like, the powers of the Earth and stuff. Again, something that is in my new books. I'm starting to realize just how much of an influence this woman has had on me. Um, (laughs) But so it starts out with this little prologue of a young girl running through a field and her mother calling to her and the father basically you know, asking the mother, why, why are you caring about her? They're going to take her away. And so what has happened is there is one priestess for the nameless ones. She is called the Eaten One or Arha. And when the priestess dies, the other lower priestesses go out into the country and they search to find a baby girl who was born on the day of the old priestess's death, and that is the priestess being reborn. 
um, and they take the child at five or six, and she is, quote-unquote, eaten by the nameless ones. They take away her name. Um, and in this world, your name is really your power, which was a cool thing that she kept up through the books. Um, but so they take this girl's name away. She's called Arha, the, un- the eaten one. Um, and she is basically secluded from the other girls and taught the ways of the nameless ones. And her domain is this labyrinth that is dug beneath the ground. So her domain is darkness and it is death and it is silence. At first the girl, you know, I mean, she's been raised this way. So she very much believes in the nameless ones and in serving them. But she has been having some issues with some of the other priestesses who also, the other priestesses serve what's called the God Kings, which were men that decided they were God Kings and were ruling various territories. So the other priestesses are not super great to her. There's definitely some friction. And then one day she finds a man in her tombs and no men have come near there. All of their servants are eunuchs. Um, and all of the people there are women. Um, so it is odd, very, very odd for a man to be there. And he is a wizard and he's actually Jed from the first book, the wizard of Earthsea. He's the wizard. Um, (laughs) one of them anyway, there's a lot of wizards in this world. Um, but he is in the tomb trying to find an amulet that is hidden deep in this labyrinth beneath the ground. And she traps him, but then she kind of starts to have a change of heart because she really is kind and she doesn't like sending people to death just for sacrifice purposes or just because he's a man, you know. And she goes down there, she talks to him, she befriends him. She kind of has a couple of moments throughout the story where her childlike, like, absolute devotion and belief in what she's been taught gets kind of, like, shaken by the realization. Uh, The first time is with her friend. She realizes that her friend does not have absolute faith in the Nameless Ones, and she had never considered the idea of, like, unfaith before. And then the next time is with this wizard who tells her about his adventures and how he spoke to dragons and all of these fanciful, unbelievable things that she has never seen. She's hardly seen anything. And she starts to understand that there is more beyond just this little world that she has grown up in and that she doesn't want to be evil. Um, And also one of the other priestesses at that time knows that she has Jed down there and she's going to have her killed basically. So she makes the choice to get Jed out of there and to run away. And they manage to escape the labyrinth. And then as they're running away, the tombs swallow themselves. The earth splits open, and these big, giant rocks that were the tombs fall in, and then the earth snaps shut again. And then they kind of close the book out with her and Jed traveling to this main city um, to bring back this amulet. And her fear, her fears because she doesn't really know anything. She only knows darkness and death and silence. She doesn't know... She doesn't know anything about the world of men, about history, anything. 
Um, and it's her first time seeing the sea, and then she has to get in a boat immediately and be out at sea for days. Um, and it's just kind of her coming to terms with this is where her story is beginning. Um, and I think I just think that this book, fantastic as it is, and as unbelievable as it may be, there are a lot of things in it that ring true. Um, the other day on the Books and Cats Instagram, I shared a quote from Ursula Le Guin that said, Children know perfectly well that unicorns aren't real, but they also know that books about unicorns, if they are good books, are true books. And I think this sums up her writing perfectly. She writes about these fantastic, impossible, magical things, but then the root underneath is all just basic human goodness, uh, human emotion, just general lessons, and the book feels good and true and real regardless of all the fantastic elements. And I just think that it's really quite remarkable that she can write in such a captivating way. So that is The Tombs of Achuan. Um, I would highly recommend reading that one. It's You can read it standalone and know what's going on, but also, if you are interested, start with The Wizard of Earthsea, which follows Jed in his in his journey to becoming a powerful wizard. And it's wonderful. It's very exciting, very well-written. Um, I would have covered that one, but The Tombs of Achuan is my absolute favorite out of the series. And just the idea, the way that she writes the darkness underneath the ground where the girl has to go and how she navigates the dark, it's so incredible. I just love it. All right, so now let's talk about my cats. <laughs> one cat in particular, I want to talk about Sassers today. Um, I know we've mentioned her before, I believe, on an episode with Irene. She is our baby cat. Um, she's the youngest, but she is not the smallest anymore. Um, Strudel is our super tiny little huntress, and Sassers has a big appetite and has already surpassed her sister in size. But she is the sweetest cat. Um, Sassers is really affectionate, maybe not super bright, but just so lovable. And I really feel like she was destined for our family. We were looking for a kitten for my mom, um, and the librarian at my husband's school had some kittens that needed a home. And uh, my mom got a slightly bigger and fluffier silver tiger named Natasha. And we ended up taking home the runt of the litter who already had a name and her name was Sassy. Um, we were not planning on getting another cat at this time. We already had four. But I just knew we had to take her because my awesome golden retriever when I was growing up was named Sassy. And she was the runt of her litter. So when Andy came home and told me that there was a runt and they had named her Sassy, I was like, she has to be a part of our family. And she is an absolute perfect fit. I really can't imagine the house without her. Um, she, everyone loves her. She fits beautifully. Um, and I wanted to end, so I already gave you the Ursula Le Guin quote, but I'm going to start ending with a quote of the week. Uh, they're all going to have to do with books or reading, or maybe cats. Um, and my quote of the week this week is, she is too fond of books and it has turned her brain. And that's from Louisa May Alcott in Work, A Story of Experience. And we all know I love Louisa May Alcott. Uh, she's another one that I believe had to use a pseudonym for a while. I think uh, it was fairly typical with earlier female writers to have to pretend to be men to get any respect. Uh, but that is a podcast for a different day. <laughs> um, until then... 
I hope you have enjoyed my thoughts on the tomb of Achuan. And uh, if you're interested in my new books, or if you have a book suggestion or a fun cat story, I would love to hear them. And I will talk about them on the podcast if you want. Or if you have a book you'd love to discuss with me on the show, send me a message, um, either Instagram, books.cats.pod, or you can email me at books.cats.pod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and uh, leave me a review. It helps me out a lot, and I would love to hear from you. Until next time, keep reading.